Hello, Sex Appeal listeners. This is Kit Elliott, one of your hosts for this show. After an extended hiatus, Katie and I have reassessed our stance on the true crime genre as entertainment and the way it affects the real-world victims involved in these cases. While this show has always striven to highlight injustices and prejudice in our society and legal system over anything else, we still want to make some changes to assure absolutely no harm comes from the stories we tell here. So, now, Sex Appeal Women on Trial will focus solely on historic true crime cases. That is, trials that took place a minimum of 150 years ago. All of our episodes already posted over the years that discuss cases that do not meet this new criteria have been removed, which is the main reason for this announcement. Because several episodes were deleted in their entirety, some remaining episodes may contain references to something said in one of them. We apologize for any confusion or continuity problems this creates. We hope you can understand the reasoning behind this decision. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Please be advised that this episode contains details and discussions of violence, miscarriage, abuse towards animals, as well as self-insertion of foreign objects. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Sex Appeal, Women on Trial. I'm Kit. And I'm Katie. And I'm so, 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 so sorry that I will be telling you about today's case. (laughs) Like, my browser history is very weird because of this podcast, but this week it was just the icing on the cake. (laughs) Today's case is kind of funny, but wild and weird, and it's borderline disturbing, if you think about it. Cool, I'm excited. Yeah, let's talk about something nice, please. Okay. Um, yeah, well, today, a couple hours after we're recording this, um, I am moving off campus for the winter break, and I'll be spending most of it with my best friend in New Hampshire, and I'm very, very excited because I haven't nice. seen him in quite a while. We haven't done something nice in a while. Um, on Thanksgiving, I got the Jeffree Star lip collection, um, the the pinks and reds, love me not, or love me, love me not, whatever. Oh, yeah. And I love them. They're all the colors I wanted, and now I'm wearing doll parts every single day. <laughs> Jeffree Star, please sponsor me. <laughs> Jeffree Star. Jeffree Star, please sponsor podcasts and no one will see my face. <laughs> Jeffree Star, please say psych. <laughs> In this day and age, human beings would do anything for fame and fortune. Whether it's someone videotaping themselves doing pranks, click-being viewers to watch their overly dramatic story time, or posting a controversial tweet, we all crave attention, even if it's negative attention. What you might not think about is that people have been doing this ever since media began. Today we'll be talking about Mary Toff, the woman whose fake pregnancy shocked and enthralled an entire country. We do not condone crime here on Sex Appeal. But gosh darn, don't we love a good story. Let's get started. Mary Toff was born as Mary Denier on the 21st of February, 1703, the daughter of John and Jane Denier in Gollaming, Shuri. In 1720, she married Joshua Toff, a field worker, and together the couple had three beautiful children. Now, Joshua's family was once rich due to being journeyman clothiers or fancy tailors. However, because the advances in technology at the time, they no longer had work. As an 18th century English peasant, Life was hard, financially and physically. In fact, in 1726, at the age of 24, Mary was again pregnant, but she continued to work in the fields with her family. Wait, she still worked? It don't matter. If you're pregnant and poor, you gotta work for your family. Alright, fair. 
In April of 1726, several weeks pregnant with a fourth child, she was weeding in the field and caught sight of a rabbit. To her, this was a free dinner. She dropped working, snuck up to it, though the rabbit saw her and escaped in her grass. Cool, why would you tell me this useless information? It's just a rabbit. You'll see. She complained of painful complications early in the pregnancy. In early of August, Mary had a miscarriage. However, life had to go on and she went back to the fields. One month later, on September 27th, even though she had a miscarriage, Mary was going into labor. Her neighbor, Mary Gill, was called and watched her giving birth to several animal parts. Wait, what do you mean by animal? Like, what kind of animal? I mean, not human and dismembered. This neighbor then showed the pieces to Mary and her mother-in-law, Antoff, who was a midwife. Antoff then sent the flesh to Dr. John Howard, a Guilford-based man midwife with 30 years of experience. Howard was, of course, skeptical, but he still visited Mary. According to his records, he complained that she was difficult to work with. He stated that she was very stupid and had a temper. However, as he looked at the parts, he did agree that they were not human, but in fact, rabbit parts. Just then, before his eyes, he witnessed Mary give birth to more rabbits. (laughs) You're lying. You're lying to me. Now, Mary continued to give birth to these rabbit babies? When Mary again went into labor, appearing to give birth to several more animal parts, Howard returned to continue his investigation. Remember, none of these are live births, and they came out as several parts. According to a contemporary account on November 9th, Howard stated that for the next few days, he delivered what he described as three legs of a cat of a tabby color and one leg of a rabbit. The guts were as a cat's and in them were three pieces of black bone of an eel. The cat's feet supposed were formed in her imagination from a cat that she had found as she slept in the bed. Wait, okay, there's a cat now, but wait, he, imagination? She just conjured it up? Yeah, now we're going to talk about something called pseudoscience, or beliefs and practices mistaken regarded as being based on scientific method. Wow, Kit, we're talking about psychology again oh, like we promised. Yeah. Whoa! We're back. Our degrees! <laughs> This is literally the first time we talk about psychology and like since episode one. We're like, yeah, we're going to talk about it. We didn't. <laughs> we simply did not. <laughs> Doctors in the public believe Mary's story because of a popular pseudoscientific theory circulating at the time called maternal impression. They believe that a mother's emotions and imagination could cause birth defects and disorders. This is why I brought up the encounter with a rabbit who got away. After this encounter, she was overcome with an insufferable hunger for the rabbit meat. This would explain why her body would produce rabbit corpses as her thoughts. That is not how science works. Listen, I know it's 2019. Scientists know how the body works now. By the way, vaccinate your children. Vaccinate your children. Vaccinate your children. (laughs) Anyways. Anyway, this wasn't just a crazy idea from the 1700s. It lasted up until the 20th century with the elephant man. Over the next month, Howard witnessed Mary give birth to eight more rabbits. However, that was only the beginning. He preserved that bodies in alcohol and sent letters to distinguished physicians all over England. On November 9th, he wrote, I have taken or delivered the poor woman of three more rabbits, all three half-grown, one of them a dumb rabbit. The last slept 24 hours in the uterus before it died. 
As soon as the eleventh rabbit was taken away, up leapt the twelfth rabbit, which is now leaping. If you have any curious person that is pleased to come post, may see another leap in her uterus, and shall take it from her if he please. I do not know how many rabbits may be behind. So, obviously, word started to go around. On the 4th of November, Henry Devenant, a member of the court of King George I, was sent to see the baby rabbits for himself. He looked at the sample Howard had collected when he returned to London. Howard and Toff moved to Guildford, where he delivered rabbits in the presence of doctors and skeptics. Some of the letters Howard wrote about his process in the case came to the attention of Nathaniel St. Andre, a Swiss surgeon of the royal household. On the 15th of November, St. Andre and another surgeon, Samuel Molino, went to see Toff, who within hours delivered a rabbit's torso. St. Andre did several experiments on the rabbit's torso. To check if it had breathed air, he placed a piece of its lung in water to see if it would float, which it did. In his absence, Toff later that day reportedly delivered the torso of another rabbit, which the two also examined. Later that evening, Toff again had violent contraptions, and St. Andre delivered some rabbit skin, followed a few minutes later by a rabbit's head. Both men examined the gross pieces of flesh, noting that some resembled the body parts of a cat. This part kind of ticks me off. Despite his experiments, Andre started to believe that she was indeed giving birth. Um, here are my thoughts so far. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Make it stop. I can't. <laughs> I want to leave. Can I go? Please say psych. <laughs> Please say psych, Mary Toft. Please say psych. The story first came to the public's attention that past October. In the early days of newspaper and literacy, the story became a national sensation. While as unlikely as the story sounded, many physicians felt compelled to see Toff for themselves. The political writer John Hervey stated that every creature in town, both men and women, have been to see and feel her. The perpetual emotions, noises, and rumbles in her belly are something prodigious. All the eminent physicians, surgeons, and men midwives in London are there day and night to watch her next production, John Henry. Do you want to read this article by the Miss Weekly Journal? On November 19, 1726, the Miss Weekly Journal said, From Guilford comes a strange but well-attested piece of news, that a poor woman that lives at Galdeman near the town was about a month past delivered by Mr. John Howard, an eminent surgeon and man midwife of a creature resembling a rabbit, but whose heart and lungs grew without its belly about fourteen days since she was delivered by the same person of a perfect rabbit, and in a few days after of four more, and on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the fourth, fifth, and sixth instant, of one in each day, in all nine, they died all in bringing into the world. The woman hath made oath that two months ago, being working in a field with other women, they put up a rabbit, who running from them, they pursued it, but to no purpose. This created in her such a longing to it that she, being with child, was taken ill and miscarried, and from that time she hath not been able to avoid thinking of rabbits. People, after all, differ much in their opinion about this matter, some looking upon them as great curiosities, fit to be presented to the royal society, etc. Others are angry at the account and say that if it be a fact, a veil should be drawn over it as an imperfection in human nature." What I find interesting is that in the article, it makes it sound like the rabbits were born whole and alive and then passed away. Right. It's a lot of misinformation, I think, going around with kind of right. the rumors of it, because obviously something like this, rumors are going to start circulating and... 
it sounds more interesting to see that you're like, oh, she's giving birth to live rabbits than just pieces of right. flesh. Which is very interesting, like how in the beginning of media it was just so twisted in a way. Right. Now it is time for Let's Learn Something New! Today we are learning why keychains with lucky rabbit's feet are a thing. Because it's kind of weird if you think about it. Kind of weird, yeah. Because of their reproductive habits, the belief of carrying a rabbit's foot was thought to help with fertility. The belief that rabbits are lucky is common in many parts of the world, including Europe, China, Africa, and North and South America. In order for a rabbit's foot to be considered lucky, it has to be the left hind foot, needs to have been captured or killed in a cemetery, and be cut off on a specific day, usually a Friday, but with variations such as weather, date, etc. No joke, it's the best on a Friday the 13th during a storm. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) However, there's another version of obtaining a rabbit's foot, but it's very racist and I don't want to say it. Rabbit's feet became popular as keychains in the early 1980s, claiming to be only for luck rather than fertility. They were dyed in multiple bright colors. I remember that when I was younger, I won a hot pink rabbit's foot from the mall's arcade. Gross! Yeah. (laughs) Here you go, child. Congratulations on your gaming achievement. Here's a severed animal appendage. Cool, I want the rest of the rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) If you see one nowadays, they're most likely just made with faux fur and foam. However, there are some real ones here in good old 2019. Get them on Amazon Prime, two nasty things. This has been <laughs> Let's Learn Something New. And now, back to our regularly scheduled crime talk. The king then sent the surgeon, Cyracius Allers, to Guilford. He arrived on November 20th and found the Toff exhibiting no signs of pregnancy. Unlike everyone else, he was a good doctor and didn't buy into the maternal impression theory. Finally, someone. <laughs> he had suspicions that this was a hoax when he watched Toff walk. <laughs> This is funny. Um, he has. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, this is funny. He had suspicions of that this was a hoax when he watched Toff walked with her knees and thighs pressed together, as if to prevent something from dropping down. Gross! 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 I like how he's like, "Hey, isn't that weird?" Nah, bro. Nah, just just go. With you don't it. want your baby to fall out. <laughs> this is what women do, right? They always walk with their knees pressed together. <laughs> they even always walk like this, right? <laughs> he thought Howard's behavior was just as suspicious because he would not let him um, help with the delivery of the rabbits. This was supposedly rabbit baby 17, I think? Convinced the affair was a hoax, he lied, telling Howard that he believed Toff's story and said that he must return to London. He either asked for a specimen of the rabbit or he stole one. Like, I hear conflicting things. Crime. Crime, crime, crime. No, we don't support it. (laughs) He's probably there thinking, oh my god, how stupid do these people... Oh yeah, mm, that is totally bonkers, my dude. Yep, Mm, so real. Hey, how about I go back to London and tell everyone you are telling lies? I mean, the truth. Mm -hmm. And uh, can I borrow one of the rabbits? Thanks, bye. Thanks, BB. (laughs) You... Back in London, he reported that upon studying the corpse, he found evidence that the flesh was cut with a man-made instrument and that there were pieces of straw and grain in the droppings of its system. Which means it would have, that means it had eaten before. It means that it had lived, it eaten from the outside. (laughs) From the outside, unless she's also growing grains in there. (laughs) 
She's a woman. <laughs> She's a whole self-sustaining ecosystem. On November 21st, Allers reported his findings to the king and later to several persons of noted description, which I believe is the royal court. Howard wrote to Allers the next day, asking for the return of his specimen because Allers' suspicions possibly began to worry both Howard and St. Andre. Upon their arrival, they met Howard, who told St. Andre that Toph had given birth to two more rabbits. She delivered several portions of what was presumed to be a placenta, but she was ill and suffered from a con- constant pain in the right side of her abdomen. St. Andre stated that he collected affidavits of several witnesses, which an effort cast out on Allers' honesty, and on the 26th of November, gave an anatomical demonstration before the king to support Toff's story. Yeah, you don't make up accounts if you're totally legit. On November 29th, Mary was taken, possibly against her will, to London for study. She was locked away in a bathhouse in Leicester Fields. She did, however, break into a horrible fever, slipping in and out of a coma. With King George's court constantly watching her, Mary suddenly stopped having rabbits. By December 4th, the jig was up. A man named Thomas Onzo had began an investigation of his own and discovered that for the past month, Toff's husband, Joshua, has been buying young rabbits. Hmm, suspicious. Imagine the interaction between um, Joshua and the rabbit salesman. Hey, I love doing business with you, but why are you only buying rabbits, mate guy? Just, just, just love, love rabbits. Okie dokie. Thank you for your purchase. <laughs> or like, hey, I heard your wife is giving birth to rabbits. And um, you keep buying my rabbits. They're a gift. Slides an extra pound. Shh. <laughs> the same day, Thomas Howard, a porter at the Bagano, was caught by the guards as he was trying to sneak rabbits into Toff's room. He confessed to the guards, and later to the Justice of the Peace, Sir Thomas Clarges, that he had been bribed by Toff's sister-in-law, Margaret, to sneak a rabbit into Toff's chamber. When questioned, Mary first denied this assumption, while Margaret claimed that she had obtained the rabbits only for eating. Who eats raw rabbits? Munch, munch. (laughs) (laughs) On December 6th, the court tried to interrogate Mary by saying that they would perform an experimental pelvic surgery to see what made Mary so unique. Mary then confessed that it was all a hoax. Uh, Talk about bad timing, Days before Toff confessed to the hoax, St. Andre had published a 40-page pamphlet called A Short Narrative of the Extraordinary Delivery of Rabbits. Like, I know how hard it is to write a 40-page paper, let alone. (laughs) He's like, really? A couple days? You couldn't have... A couple days, my guy. I wrote... It took me, like, months to write my 30-page thesis. So it's like, oh... two days later, someone comes out and disproves everything you wrote, but not until after you published it. Because of this confession, his reputation fell into shambles. St. Andre lost his job and became the whole medical community and London's laughingstock. Big oof. Oof. How did Toft and her family pull off the physical aspects of the pregnancy? Okay, so we're going to have a content warning because this is a disturbing part. This is the disturbing part. The whole thing. Okay, tell me. You see, remember how we said that Mary had been pregnant earlier in the year but miscarried? While her cervix was still open, her mother-in-law inserted the body of a cat in the head of a rabbit, which her poor neighbor helped deliver. Both women then continued to insert rabbit body parts into Mary's vaginal cavity. As the ruse became more elaborate... Mary sewed a special pocket in her skirt for easy access for her to hide rabbit bits in. 
When the doctors weren't looking, she would take them out and tuck them into herself and forced to labor. Imagine what Toph had to go through placing parts of dead animals into herself. Like, obviously it's painful, difficult to achieve, and even dangerous. According to St. Andre's early reports, Mary's rabbits were often delivered with fully developed sharp nails. Because these animal remains likely hidden in Mary's body for who knows how long, it is astonishing she didn't die from any bacteria or infection. Okay, question. Why? Why did she do that? Mary or her family believed that this hoax was her ticket out of poverty. In her words, it was to get so good a living that I should never work as long as I lived. Back then and throughout the turn of the century, freak shows featured human oddities and abnormalities were popular ways to get money and fame. Compared to working in the fields, Mary believed this was her best option. It is possible that her husband's family put her up to it to remain their once wealthy living hood. On the 7th of January, 1727, John Howard and Toff appeared before the bench. Howard was fined 800 pounds. He returned to Sherry and continued his practice and died in 1755. I believe he had other scandals after that, but I couldn't find any. I mean, that's not hard to believe. You can't, you don't just go back to being a reputable and <laughs> honest doctor. However, Mary was thrown into jail for five months. Crowds reportedly mobbed Toffield Field Bradwell, hoping to catch a glimpse of the now infamous Toff. After her sentence, she returned to Shuri. In February 1728, she gave birth to her daughter Elizabeth, noted as her first child after the pretended rabbit breeding. There is little known about Toff's later life. She briefly reappeared in 1740 when she was imprisoned for receiving stolen goods. She then died in 1763. She was buried in Godling on January 13th, 1763. When she died, the parish epitaph read, Mary Toff, widow, the imposter rabbit. So what do you think, Kit? I have so many thoughts, and yet none at all. I want to delete this memory from my brain, because I do not like it. I'm still speechless. (laughs) I'm mad at you. We're not friends anymore. You made me listen to that. Thank you to the very last episode of Sex of Your This is the last episode. I'm not friends with you anymore. I'm not doing this again. First, Kate Webster. Second, this. I'm done. I'm just thinking about how um, one of the girls at my work was like, hey, I'm starting to listen to your podcast. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Hi, Emily. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> Me, whenever someone says that they're starting to listen. Okay, so you know the content warnings at the beginning? Listen, Listen to, to them. them, please. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Sex Appeal, Woman on Trial. Make sure to subscribe and follow so you can always come back for more cases of Women on Trial. Sex Appeal, Women on Trial was brought to you by us, Kit Elliott and Katie Clark. Music is Dark Tranquility by Anno Domini Beats. Special thanks to Framingham State University's WDJM Radio. We would like to thank Melin Costello from MC Design Photography for creating our logo. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram under mcdesign underscore photography. Remember to leave a five-star rating and review us on iTunes. And follow us on Instagram at Sex Appeal Podcast and Twitter at Sex Appeal Pod. You can also visit our website, sexappealpodcast.weebly.com, for additional content, including more details about our episodes, like written transcriptions and pictures. If you have any questions about our show or suggestions for future episodes, please email us at sexappealpod at gmail.com. Thank you.